Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 real life radio is sponsored by river city community church grace and peace to you and welcome to real life radio with pastor sean azaro of river city community church in san antonio texas a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full that's what jesus said in john 10:10. 10, 10. and we're wrapping up this series from pastor sean called rethinking impossible And the question is, do you have a vision? Whether or not you consider yourself a visionary person, a vision of God can provide you with incredible motivation and direction for living. So what do you do with that? It's the so what of our faith. Grab a Bible. This final message in this series is called So What? Here's Pastor Sean Azaro. It's time for Real Life Radio. Rethinking the impossible only matters if it makes you rethink your vision. Now remember, vision is that picture that guides your life's purpose and direction. Some people have defined vision as a, a picture of a preferred future. And, you know, we throw that word vision around, okay? In leadership circles, you know, I have a vision, this is my vision. I'm talking about something deeper and something bigger. And there's a lot of conversation about where does vision actually come from? Is it something someone else imparts in us? Is it something we pick up along the way? Is it something that is gradually shaped with us? I'm talking beyond just a dream, something I want to see, but something that is, it's deep within us, this vision, this picture that moves us. Steve Jobs actually was one who said, yeah, if you have vision, motivation is never a problem because it just pulls you forward. It's like you can't resist it. And I think that's actually a really astute observation about deep core vision. Things come to mind, worldview, how I look at the world, your passion, your calling, your convictions, it's deep. And because of that, it is real, and it actually drives you. It's what moves us. We all have a life vision that we're living our life according to. Whether we acknowledge it and have written it down or have some statement somewhere, we all have one. See, vision allows me to see and respond differently. And so as I think of rethinking our vision in the context of rethinking the impossible, there are some things I think we're supposed to look at differently. Number one, I think we're supposed to see God and his word differently. I really do. We so often look at this as though this is like a little compartment, you know? Our faith is the religious compartment of our lives. And that is never what God intended. That is not what the scripture describes. We need to begin to see God. He is present. He's real. He's here. And because of that, nothing is the same. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So many people think God is kind of off, far out there, and he put things in motion, and now it's kind of up to us to figure it out. Even the Bible, well, it's a good handbook for living, but, but we're kind of on our own here. And yeah, I believe in God, but he's out there and we're here. Yeah, that is not what the scripture says. It says he is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. He says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. His desire is relationship and fellowship with us. And what that means, I, I want us to look at this differently. His word is truth. It is true. Like, well, is it really true? Yes, it is absolutely true. It is not just a manual. It's 
not a textbook. This is God speaking and revealing himself over the centuries through different writers, different cultures, different languages, but all pointing the same direction to the redemption through Christ and then the new life that is ours in Jesus. And his word is life. His word is truth. What, so much so that what I, what I think we need to, and I'm hoping we can shake the eyes of our heart open here to where when the word says, here's how you respond to a situation, everybody else says, are you kidding me? No way. And everyone else is saying, no, 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 you got to go this way. No, this is conventional wisdom. you got to do this. This is the right way to go. And the word says, no, no, go this way. Yeah, let every man be a liar. God's word is true. And I'm going to follow him. And when everybody's sitting, looking at you and go, okay, you're whacked. You're absolutely whacked. Yeah, but God said it, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, but you're whacked. Oh, I've been called whacked before. In fact, some of you maybe even here this morning said, you know, he's whacked. I'm serious to where, because that's exactly what's going to happen. You realize so many times the word of God is going to lead me the exact opposite direction of, quote, conventional wisdom or of the world's kind of ebb and flow. We have to be people who in the context of real life, our stuff, our money, our marriages, our families, our jobs, the real life stuff, say, God, you said this, so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to stand on your word and I'm going to walk that direction instead of going with the crowd. It's one thing to talk about it here and go, mm, that's good, preacher, preach that, mm, that's good stuff. It's going to be tougher tomorrow when God is going to bring this to test in your life. And something's going to come up and there's going to be an expectation for you to respond a certain way and you're, he's going to bring a scripture to mind. You're going, oh, oh no, not now, not now. <laughs> everyone's looking, everyone's watching. Oh, oh, God. And you're going to know full well, you know what? That's where the crowd goes. And if I want what the crowd has, I can go that way. But Lord, if I want you, I want to live with the reality that you're present, you're real, then I'm going to follow this way, and I'm going to be alone right now. (laughs) Not alone, because you're with me. But I can't expect people who don't believe to understand. See See God and his word differently. And what that means, I can walk in trust. Not just talk about trust, but I can actually walk in trust and know he's good and his word is true. See, rethinking the impossible only matters if it makes you rethink your vision. New vision allows us to see God and his word differently. Second, it allows us to see the world differently. It allows us to see the world differently. So many times we look at the world as the, oh man, it's just all messed up and we got to get out of this world, can't wait to get out of this world, or we got to have the bunker mentality hide out from the world. Um, do you understand God has a purpose for this world and he is working? He loves this world. He has a purpose and he is working. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. Uh, in your notes, uh, someone pointed out it says 2 Chronicles. Yeah, no, it's not. It's 2 Corinthians. Okay, just so that's free for you. For the two of you who are actually using the notes, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's more. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. Here's what he says. All this is from God, listen, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, it's not just about your, you being reconciled. He handed you, as a follower of his, a ministry of reconciliation. Welcome to the ministry. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ God was, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do you understand? We get to go to this world around us and say, Father's not angry, come home. That's the message of reconciliation. We think of reconciliation in terms of reconciling human relationships, and that's good. That is an important process. 
But to be honest with you, there's a bigger reconciliation that desperately needs to happen. And when that happens, everything else just kind of gets set right. And it is reconciled to Father. He sent us to say, Father made a way so your sins don't have to be held against you. It's the cross in Jesus. He paid the penalty. He satisfied justice. Come home. He's not mad. He loves you. We get to have the message of reconciliation. But too often, we, and you know, this political season, of course, illustrates it more fully than anything. We make people who think differently than us or the world, we make people on the other side the enemy. Oh, they're the enemy. And we get into this combative mode. That is messed up. And it is backwards. It is not at all the way the Scripture teaches us to walk and to move and to live. I've shared with you the analogy before. It's like a damsel in distress who's being held by a fire-breathing dragon. The damsel's the king's daughter. The king sends out word throughout the whole kingdom. Someone, will anyone go and save my daughter? I need a knight to go and save my daughter. And one brave young man says, I will go. We cannot have a damsel in distress. King, I'm your man. I will solve the problem. The king says, thank you. Go. The man goes. The knight, and he sees a fire-breathing dragon. And he sees the damsel. And so he pulls his sword. And he goes and he kills the damsel. No more damsel in distress problem solved. I wrote this in a blog post. Don't kill the damsel. We treat the world, understand, they're not the dragon, they're the damsel. The world around us, that's the damsel who we are called to reach. The enemy, the scripture says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers of the air. There is a spiritual enemy, he's real, that's the dragon. The world are the ones who, just like us, are lost without Jesus. And we're called to go bring a message of reconciliation. Say, come home, Father's not mad, he made a way. In Jesus Christ, he made a way, come home. And you're like, but sometimes the world actually opposes us. I know. That's true. Sometimes the world makes us their enemy. I know. Jesus said that would happen. Read the Sermon on the Mount, and he'll tell us how to deal with that. It's unconventional. It's hard. But it's the way we are supposed to conduct spiritual warfare. See, I want to see the world differently. They're not the enemy. The spirit of the world is the enemy. When it says don't love the world, it's talking about the spirit of the world, not the people. Because the, the people of the world says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. In other words, I can be hopeful about this world. Not hopeless. I'm not looking through rose-colored glasses here. I'm just seeing the whole picture, folks. See, rethinking the impossible only matters if it makes you rethink your vision. Where's your vision? Last thing. We have the opportunity to see our future differently. You can see your future differently. A different vision causes me to look into the future and see myself differently, the possibilities, my role, my direction. It starts with who I am in Christ. So many of you know how many people are terrified of the future? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'll bet if, if you were honest, a lot of you would say, yep, I have been, or at least had some serious fear about the future. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That means we are empowered to live as overcomers. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be worried about my future. So what that means is I'm empowered to change the world. I can shift my focus from my own fear, shoring myself up, protecting myself, the bunker mentality, and I can break through and I can actually say I'm empowered to make a difference in the world in the name of Jesus. I can become a person with a life of mission. And I'm not saying quit your job and become a full-time missionary, although some of you, that may be God's call. What I'm saying is, Right where you are, you can have a mission. You are God's person on the ground in your school, in your company, in your neighborhood, wherever it is, in your family. You're God's person on the ground, and you have a mission, reconciliation. And here's the thing. We don't have to be afraid of the future. 
Because um, no matter what the future holds, God's already there. You understand that idea, right? And, and I mean that. I'm not saying, you know, oh, he'll be there. I'm saying he is already there. We, we are bound by time and space. God is not. You know, we've talked about this before. We experience time in, in one, one little millisecond or one little moment that we call now. And now that's gone. Understand that. And I can only be conscious of one moment and now, and it's gone. The past is a memory. The future is a hope. But all I got is now. Oh, and it's gone. When I started talking about this thing of time, yeah, that's a memory now. So all I have is right now, up, oh, and it's gone. And now I have a different now, up, oh, and now it's gone. Seriously, that's how we, we are sequential. That's the, it's consciousness. Consciousness allows us one moment at a time. Do you understand God is not bound by that? It's not that God will be in tomorrow. He's already there. He stands outside. God stands outside of time and outside of the physical restraints of space. So he is already there. So when it says he holds the future, it's not an a statement of, of hope or aspiration. He actually does. And what that means is the God who sustained us yesterday is the God who will sustain us tomorrow. The God who got the church through 100 years ago is the God who will get the church through 100 years from now. That's the hope. I don't have to walk into the future afraid. See, rethinking the impossible only matters if it makes you rethink your vision. I want us to have a vision that is altered because of this idea. We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this series called Rethinking Impossible, as found on the sermons page at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life real life. I talk to a lot of people and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now the conclusion to this message called So What? in the series Rethinking the Impossible. This is Real Life Radio. Now, I told you, I want I you to hear a testimony of someone who I think their vision has been changed because of something God did powerful on her behalf. Carrie Joseph's a part of our fellowship. And I just, she, a few months ago, told me her story, and I wanted you to be able to hear it. I wanted to be able to build your faith the way I believe it's built hers and changed her view and changed others. Take a look. A few months ago, Carrie Joseph told me a story of how she had walked through a really difficult time with her son, Jonah. He was sick. The doctors weren't sure what was going on. But actually, I want to sit down with her and talk and let her tell you a little bit of her story. When did you first um, discover that something was not right with Jonah, that he was sick? Um, Jonah was first hospitalized in November of 2012, and it was in the ICU and it took about three days before we were even allowed to leave. And from that point forward, it was, oh, you know, it's this or that. And 
I just kept feeling like I know kids get sick, mm-hmm. but he shouldn't get sick when we walk into Toys R Us and in 24 hours he's violently ill and right. having to be hospitalized that's not normal or every 10 days having to be on antibiotics. Um, and did you feel like the doctors weren't taking you seriously? Yes. Um, it, it just kept feeling like I was getting... I didn't have a medical background, so it was, okay, well, you know, okay, well, we'll do this. Okay, well, we'll do this. Right. You know, oh, well, kids get sick, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, I understand children get ill, you know, um, but should he be ill where he's having to be on some type of antibiotic every 10 days? And what will that do for him in the long run, you know, when he's older? Is he going to be able to take Tylenol? Um, when he's older because they wanted me to give him Tylenol and Motrin all the time. Now, this went on for almost two years, correct? Yes, and it was 2014 where I finally said, enough, find out why he's sick. Right. I'm done. You had some other big things going on in your life throughout that time, kind of almost very similar time frame to when he first got sick. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, Right before he got hospitalized the first time, and we had come here in October, and um, that was when his father actually uh, left us and went to Japan and, well, never came back. Um, so all of that was um, on my own. So you're having to try to figure this out, wrestle with doctors while kind of walking through all of this alone. It was the first time you did new groups for new people. Mm-hmm. And I walked in on a Tuesday, and it just fit um, and shortly after that, you did a series on Help My Family's Weird. And it just it, it just happened to work out, you know, well, it didn't just happen to work out. That was God. Um, you talked about marriage and family, and I bawled through the marriage thing. And um, it was my community group just sat by me that day, you know, happened to walk in, see me sitting there by myself and sat by me. And I bawled through the whole thing, and they were there for that. And then you talked about kids and how, you know, kids who come from a single family, how they need their dad. And so when I spoke with them, when we had our meeting, it was, you know, well, what am I going to do? His dad's gone. You know, he's not coming back. He's decided he didn't want that part of his life. And so, um, you know, Bill and Jason just kind of stood up and took that role on of, you know, not letting him have have to be without a dad you know and and as he was sick they would bring food or when he was in the hospital Jason was there you know at the hospital so I didn't have to do it alone and and those kinds of things they were they were just there wow wow that is awesome now they actually even helped you process some of the feelings you were having even unforgiveness you were having regarding your ex-husband oh yeah when I joined the community group I was very angry um bitter resentful um a lot of unforgiveness and they kept pushing me well pray for him and i'm thinking pray for him why would i do that darn these christians (laughs) yeah why would i do that um and finally just one day after small group i kind of just literally fell on my hands and knees with my face to the ground and and i prayed for him and i i won't lie i was physically ill or felt physically ill afterwards but each time i did after that i could feel like the bondage being released um You know, and being able to see clearly that God hadn't abandoned me. I was I was angry for no reason. He had been there all along, you know, um, walking me through there, leading me all these places, you know, that I thought were coincidence, but they weren't coincidence. He was guiding me through that. Right. Now, all this while, you're still struggling with Jonah's sickness. In December 2014, you got kind of some bad news that kind of came to a head. 
Yeah, so they had sent us, when I said in November of 2014, like, enough, figure out what's wrong. Um, they sent us for all these tests, and the week before Christmas, they, they said, you need to come in. And so we came in, and they're like, he um, doesn't have any immune function. It was as if he had never received um, an immunization ever. Um, and so they decided they were going to give him, you know, a protein and a polysaturide immunization, and that would tell us whether he needed an IV transfusion monthly or a bone marrow transplant, depending on what he responded to. Um, and then they did all the testing again. And so that's what we were left with right before Christmas. And, you know, I talked to the small group and everything, and um, my mom and, you know, my support group, and we all decided the best thing to do was to take it before the ultimate healer. And so the first weekend in January, we brought him here and had him anointed. And so then, um, when you say that you had you called the elders, I believe we did this between a couple services, and mm-hmm. just anointed him with oil and prayed for God to touch him. Yeah, and it was really the coolest thing. I mean, my kid nonstop talks and moves and everything, and when everybody started touching him and praying, we're all in tears. And he just laid his head down on my shoulder, and every time everybody would say yes, Jesus, he would repeat it, yes, Jesus, mm-hmm. yes, Jesus, and he was quiet and still. And it was just, it was one of those moments where you want to you know videotape it but you can't you know right. you just want to be in the moment but right. um, it was just really beautiful um to watch him wow. repeat after everybody yes jesus and just kind of own that moment too um and so then it, that was in january and february we went back for the follow-up but three days before that um i'm sitting there reading my bible and he brings his bible in and sits down next to me and I hear him flipping the pages, and then all of a sudden I hear him saying, thank you, God, for making me all better. And each page he would turn, he'd say the same thing. And it was enough that I was able to get my phone out and videotape it. Thanks. Thanks for helping me And it was just so cool to hear that. And then three days later, we went, and they said, he has 87% immune function. I've talked to several of my colleagues. I can't explain it. We don't know why. And I was like, I don't need an explanation. I know why, and I'll take my miracle and go. Now, they hadn't done any treatment yet. No, nothing. (laughs) There was no treatment. They just, all of a sudden, there was zero, and now there was 87% function, and she had no clue. No clue. Nobody. Wow. Wow. God is awesome. Yeah, he's great. And he hasn't been sick since. Wow, so he's fine. He's yeah, he's fine. Healthy? Yeah. Wow, what an incredible story. I mean, what would you say to someone else who right now is in a time when they're just wondering if God even hears their prayers? You have to... It, it comes down to trust. It really does. You, even when you don't think he's there, he's there. So you surround yourself with people who can lift you up even when you don't believe they believe for you um because there were times where it was tough for me as a mom um to believe that it was going to be okay but they just surrounded me in that and sometimes would just you know hold me up when I couldn't hold myself up and um believed for me until I could believe for myself and um through this whole process, you actually have gotten engaged, you and Jason. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> wow, what a, what an awesome, awesome thing. You shared with me in your email the scripture from Joel chapter 2 where it says the Lord restores the years, the locust is eaten. How has that felt? It's been great. It was a scripture that kept coming up just along the journey. Um, 
whether it be in a sermon or in a daily devotional, it was just kind of a scripture that kept coming up, you know. Because um, in the beginning, like I said, I was very angry and bitter. And as Jonah was sick, I would be like, why am I having to do this alone? Um, and then as, you know, the small group joined and as things developed with Jason, it was like, okay, I'm not having to do it alone. He's restoring the things that were lost or the things that were taken. And, um, and then blessed abundantly beyond that. Um, you know, I mean, he, he healed Jonah from what could have had to have been awful, you know, yeah. so. Carrie, thank you for sharing your story with us. I just hope it encourages lots and lots of people. Me. God bless you. <laughs> thank you. Isn't that awesome? And nothing is impossible with him. And see, it's things like that, that, I mean, we hear stories of God doing you know, we talked about the supernatural being, you know, God showing up and doing what only God can do. We hear stories like that all the time. Sometimes they're big like that. Sometimes they're smaller things. But they happen for people who will trust him, walk in community, and, and step out in faith. And I, I want to I just challenge us. It's this idea of belief shaping our vision. And, and my, my question for you is, where's your vision? And you're like, wow, Sean, you're being kind of pushy. I know, it's what I do. When I hear stories like that, when I understand what the Word says, I don't want us just to talk about it, and I don't want us to then go and kind of live under some old life vision where God is out there and He's not involved. I don't believe that. The Word doesn't teach that. And I don't want us to walk in that. I want us to be different because of what we've walked through and what we've heard. So my, my challenge for us is, what's, what's your vision for your life? And, and you know, it starts this afternoon. Stop and be thinking about what God wants to say and do and let him challenge you with a different life vision because I believe he wants to do miraculous things for each and every one of us if we'll listen for his voice and follow in obedience. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio and if you've missed any part of this series, Rethink Impossible, it's available right now on demand when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.